0: Our gospel reading this morning is from the ninth chapter of St. Luke. Jesus has just told His disciples that, that um, that He will undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised again. And their understanding of things, He was rocking their world. Then this reading begins. Eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with Him three of His disciples, Peter, John, and James, and He went up on a mountain to pray. And while He was praying, the appearance of His face changed. His clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, and they were talking to Him. They appeared in glory, and they were speaking of His departure, which He was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions, they had been weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake a while, they too saw His glory, and the two men they saw standing with Him. And just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, "'Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah.'" He didn't say, know what he was saying. But while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is My Son, My Chosen, listen to Him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things that they had seen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well a quick update on this past weekend, uh, it was a really fantastic weekend here at St. John's. Friday evening we welcomed uh, Sonny Kelly to give a one-man produ- uh, show called The Talk, Filled literally filled the faith center. It was a good occasion, folks from all over the community. And uh, really, what a heartfelt, spirit-filled man who who is eager to bring God's love and peace and grace into this very difficult com- conversation about race, and, and we think did so beautifully. Then yesterday afternoon, um, a number of us, a number of you traveled to Winston-Salem to Augsburg Lutheran Church as we enjoyed the ordination of Lori Carter into the ministry of Word and Sacrament in the ELCA. Lori will be your new pastor in a couple of weeks. In fact, she and another pastor, Pastor James Dimmel, will be moving into the area this week and they'll begin, they will be with us in worship in two Sundays. So we're really looking forward to that. I'd encourage you to go online. There are some great pictures of her ordination. Uh, it was a beautiful occasion. And, and uh, continue to hold them in prayer as they transition to Salisbury. Okay. Um, I need to make a confession. Um, just, just bear with me, all right? It's been a heck of a week, um, it started out great. I mean, it's been a great week. But it started out particularly good. Chris and I went on vacation and, and we got back Monday evening. It was a great time away with some friends from old, old friends from the past. Came back, worked on uh, Tuesday then. Uh, I, I, I served on on, on uh, the board at, at Southern Seminary in Columbia, so we had meetings on Wednesday and Thursday, and so uh, was gone to South Carolina on Wednesday and Thursday. Came back for this production on Friday night, and then Saturday morning, the pastors had a gathering that we were leading and facilitating um, on Saturday morning, and then Lori's ordination on, on Saturday night. I'm telling you all of that as an excuse for um, not having prepared a sermon as much as I would like. Now, I've got a sermon for you. I mean, it's right here, I promise. And we'll do the best that we can. But um, but I will also admit, and this is more of my confession, about Saturday afternoon when I was looking at it for the first time, we began work on these things on Monday. Uh, in, in, as a staff, and I wasn't able to be with Rob and, and Ricky and, and Taylor in our, in our gatherings as so we start talking through this, this text because I was away. And then my men's Bible study on Thursday morning always provides great inspiration, was not able to be there. So, again, I'm totally on my own, so just bear with me. But what I discovered on Saturday afternoon is uh, that I was really hoping and praying that I could pull out an old sermon that might be worth something. And I discovered two things. I really felt sorry for you for having to listen to those old <laughs> sermons because I couldn't find one that was, that was worth preaching again. Secondly, that in fact, I've, um, I've been following a pretty similar pattern when I preach on this Sunday, Transfiguration Sunday over the years, and I didn't even realize that I had been doing that. Um, here's what I mean. If you've been around the church for very long, you remember this story, maybe you've heard this story before, and you've probably heard me or maybe some other preacher from another church draw a pretty standard conclusion. It sort of goes like this. Jesus takes His disciples to the top of a mountain, His closest, His inner circle, Peter, James, and and John, and and He transforms before them, transfigures. His clothes become dazzling white. The fullness of God's glory is revealed before them. It's a remarkable moment, and if that's not enough, then Elijah and Moses show up, representatives of the law and the prophet. They were not able to see the fullness of God's glory when they asked for it in their lives, but now even they were able to see the fullness of God's glory. It's amazing. And Peter says, man, this is awesome right? Let's stay for a while. Specifically, let me build… You know, they're getting ready to leave, and he can tell that, and so he says, no, 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 let me build a few dwelling places or tents or tabernacles or whatever your translation is, whatever version you're reading. In other words, this is awesome. I don't want it to end. Let's stay up here on this mountaintop a little bit longer and hang out. And that's where I would normally say one of two things. I'd probably, at least figuratively, if not literally, point my finger at Peter and chalk this episode up as yet another example of Peter being just a bumbling disciple. He just doesn't get it. He hasn't even figured out this Jesus thing yet. It's literally the middle of the gospel. He doesn't have much longer to figure it out, but up to this point, has not figured it out yet. And so, we chide Peter for wanting to to preserve this This spiritual, this mountaintop experience to keep it all for himself. Let's stay up here a little while, right? While the rest of the world is in is in chaos and fear and whatever distress, Peter wants to stay up on the mountain because it feels good there. Then. We'll look at the next part of the story, and if you have your Bibles, you can see it or perhaps you remember what the next part of the story is because it's sort of important in understanding this story. What's next is as Moses and Elijah disappear, uh, then Jesus' clothes are no longer dazzling white. He's no longer shining with the glory of God, and Jesus says, let's go. Back down into the valley, and they do. He guides them into the valley where they will encounter people who they need to minister to. I mean, he's there are some really needing people who are in the valley that that need Jesus and in that moment. And so, I would say something like, you know, discipleship, it's not all about blades of glory or mountaintop experiences, no. It's about going back down the mountain into the grit, the grind of everyday life where we can feed the hungry and clothe the naked and anything else that we can do to get our hands dirty, right? And that's where you would all shout, amen, right? I think. That's… As, in my memory, that's when everybody shouts, amen. <laughs> Or, rather than talk about the valley, I might encourage you to identify with Peter. I've done that quite a few times, as it turns out, whose mouth oftentimes gets him in trouble, who isn't perfect. Peter's not polished. Uh, He makes a lot of mistakes, which makes me feel pretty good, right? And maybe it makes you feel good too, because we can say, he's just like us, (laughs) A foolish, sometimes imperfect follower who fails at his faith every now and then, at least more often than he gets it right. And yet, Jesus loves him, and thankfully, he loves us too. It's not a bad sermon, I will say. I don't think. If it was, be gentle. You don't have to tell me, really. (sighs) But those are two approaches to the story that was interesting is often as I've been preaching, those are essentially the two approaches I would take. And there's nothing wrong with either approach, which is a good thing because, you know, that's all you've gotten for me these last 13 years. By the way, Tuesday is, is our 13th anniversary of being at St. John's. Now, I say that only for two reasons. One is we are now teenagers, and I'm not sure about going through the teenage years again, but here we go. But also because um, it reminded me of a picture that hangs in our, in our house. Some of you may have seen it. It's, it's a wonderful picture of the five of us. But you know, every now and then you have pictures in your photo albums or on your walls where not everyone can see what's really going on behind the picture, right? And so, here's, here's, here's the deal. Here's the background. When we decided to come to Salisbury, um, we broke the news to our kids in early 2000 and nine, and let me just tell you, they were not happy one bit. They loved their life in Winchester, Virginia. They had good friends, and they really enjoyed being where they, they were, and they did not want to go. So, we knew what we had to do. We had to take them to Disney World, which is what we did. I mean, that's the answer to all of life's problems, right? Go to Disney World, um, only we didn't tell them about it. Uh, we somehow convinced them that the luggage that we were packing in the car, that it was empty, which it wasn't, but they thought that it was for some reason, that it was empty because we were going to an outlet store in Hagerstown, Maryland to do some shopping and to load up all that luggage with stuff, which we had never done before, but nevertheless, go with it. And so, they accepted. They loaded into the van with all the luggage and And uh, and we drove to not the outlet store at Hagerstown, but the airport at Hagerstown. And that's when I will always remember, they are literally standing in line uh, at the airport and still have no clue what's going on. And Matthew looks, Matthew's a rising sixth grader at this point, looks at someone in the line and says, do you know where we're going? (laughs) And this person looks at him like, Disney World, (laughs) of course. Anyway, that's a sidebar comment. They bought it. They w- were excited. They they uh, it was a great vacation, a true mountaintop experience for our family. That started to change, uh, change, us a little bit, or at least get us ready for this next adventure, which is why I mention it. Back to this story of Peter's mountaintop experience. When thinking through this sermon, something something hit me. Admittedly, late last night. <laughs> that I haven't noticed before. You see, at the top of of the mountain when all of that amazing stuff is happening, and and Peter says, we've already talked about it, Peter says, it's good that we're here. This is awesome. Let's build three tents. Let's build three dwellings. In my mind, that's when Jesus rolls His eyes. (laughs) That's when He shakes His head. And a voice from heaven essentially rebukes Peter and says, look, this is my son. Will you please just listen to him? Stop talking, Peter. Listen to him. Now, it it would not have been the first time, of course, that Peter was rebuked, put in his place, which is precisely what I've always thought was going on here. Peter, the guy who just doesn't seem to get it right, Jesus again has to correct him, except that's not in the story it's not there at all I and mean, we we might expect jesus to correct peter to scold him no 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 peter it's not good for us to stay on the mountain it's good for us to go back down the mountain to serve the least the lost the lonely the last when will you get it peter but but if you look carefully jesus does not scold Peter, which is interesting because, look, if Peter was wrong, Jesus would have told him so. He had done it before, and he'd certainly do it again. I mean, in chapter 4 of Luke's gospel, maybe you remember this. Peter said something screwy, and Jesus literally looks him dead in the eye and says, get behind me, Satan, Uh, which means that if Peter was wrong, then Jesus would tell him so, no doubt, but Jesus doesn't. So, maybe Peter is right that even if he doesn't know exactly what he's saying, what he's doing is gazing upon Christ, who is glowing with the light of God, the perfect expression of the glory of God. Why is that important? Well, friends, it's critically important. There are moments in world history, global history, the history of our faith, salvation history. There are moments that are paradigm shifts. (laughs) They're so significant that everything changes after that moment. This is one of those moments, this exact center of the gospel. Well, in that moment, everything makes sense. Because in that one moment, Peter sees the humanity of Jesus suffused with the eternal glory of God, and for a brief instance, he glimpses the mystery of our faith, that God became human so that humanity might become like God. You see, God became like us so that we might become like God is profound, right? I mean, that's the mystery of our, of our faith, which means that the movement of our faith isn't just about going down the mountain into the valley to care for the poor and the distressed. Of course, that's an important part of who we are as Christians, absolutely, but rather today's reading reminds us of a, of a critically important, maybe more important part of the Christian life is the ascent, the intentional journey further and further up the mountain, where, where we too, we pray, will experience the power and the glory of God, a Spirit-filled encounter that takes our breath away, where all we can do is worship and adore the transfigured Christ. Why? So that in so doing, we might be transfigured ourselves. After all, that's the primary purpose of the church to create space for you to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life through worship, through prayer, through Scripture, through fasting, the disciplines of faith through which we encounter the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who has a purpose after all. The the Spirit whose purpose is to draw us, you and me, together as one, to to nurture us and to encourage us, to soften our hearts when our hearts become so hardened as they do so often, to open our ears when our ears become so closed as they do so very often, to open our hearts to what will be our God-given purpose in life. In other words, to transform us. Don't you see? God wants to journey with you to the top of that mountain, just like Peter and James and John, so that you too can encounter the glory of God, so that you might experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, in this world, in dramatic but sometimes not so dramatic, sometimes entirely subtle ways. It doesn't matter, but for a purpose, so that your life, our lives, might be transformed. Because if we're not transformed, what's the point of going back down the mountain? I mean, we'd be down there no different than anybody else, which leaves the world no different than it's always been. see, Jesus wants, but also Jesus needs, to transform us, to soften our hearts, to prepare us for a purpose that is God's purpose, not ours, so that we can look beyond, and, beyond human desire and look towards God's desire. Jesus' desire is to transform us so that we might be prepared to be God's light, so that we might be prepared to be God's ambassadors for the sake of this world. God wants to transform you. God wants to transform me, and He does so by holding our hands and walking us to the top of that mountain. Many years after this mountaintop experience, Peter wrote these words to the church, which means to you. Never forget, he said. Never forget that you are a chosen people, You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His glorious light. To that, all we can proclaim and all we can say is, it's good, Lord. It's good, Lord, to be here. And it's true. It's good, Lord, that we are here. Amen.